Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, hello. Apparently I'm about a minute late and I'm calling into my show, which is live. Uh, so, this is Louis Patron, and I say, as I usually say, welcome world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Uh, big shooting week. Uh, you know, we don't have Donald Trump anymore, now we've got police shootings. And either, also some lay people shooting each other. Not very healthy. I'm going to discuss that for a while tonight. Going to get into a little bit of uh, Ernest Hemingway, which should be interesting. We're in Key West. And that island, St. Vincent, with the volcano. Uh, we're going to go down to Mar-a-Lago and hear what Trump had to say Sunday night, etc., etc. We're going to be in Syracuse, New York, uh, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, Virginia, in the state of Virginia, Key West, Havana, the island of St. Vincent, and Florida. Let me start tonight with a shooting that I think is horrible. It's the only way I can describe it. In fact, I can't find the proper words to describe the shooting I'm going to share with you. Uh, Many of you may have heard of it. Many of you may not have. It it wasn't a big item uh, for some reason on the news. It may be tomorrow. Uh, but anyhow, we had a shooting in Syracuse, New York. Now, I'm from upstate New York. I went to the Syracuse University. There's crime up there, but not the kind of crime I'm going to describe for you now. Here's what happened. And this is not a, a shooting involving police officers in any respect. This happened Sunday night. There were three children in the back seat of a car, a three-month-old baby by the name of D.R., Her mother's name, by the way, is Desiree. Desiree was not with her at the time of the shooting, however, but we're going to get back to her in a moment. Dior's in the back seat, and she has with her an eight- and a three-year-old also in the back seat. There's three children back there. The car was being driven by our mother, Desiree's cousin, Shakima. Now, what happened? A car pulled up next the car Shakima was driving, uh, opened the window on the passenger side. He looked into the back of the car between the front seat and the back seat. Uh, Then he took out his gun and he fired constantly into the back seat where the three children were. DR took three bullets. She died instantly. The other two children were shot, were in danger successful operations, they will survive. Dior's mother, Desiree, passed out three times Sunday evening when she heard what happened to her daughter. Understandable. She's due to have another child, May 11th. Desiree, not Desiree, Dior was 11 months old, only 18 days away from her first birthday. Sick! (laughs) Absolutely sick! Now, the police reported today they've apprehended... uh, uh, the shooter, a gentleman, 23 years old, no other facts were available. Let's go now to Brooklyn Center. We knew, know what happened there. Uh, 
this is 10 miles, by the way, from the courthouse Chauvin is being tried in for the Floyd murder. This is big, big state, Minnesota, apparently a lot of problems. Anyhow, uh, this is the story about the laser and the gun, handgun, and one was mistaken for the other. Uh, a 20- or 22-year-old black fellow was, was stopped traffic violation. This is such bullshit. These people are being killed for traffic violation stops. Uh, and he got out of the car, and there, there were some police officers became more than two shortly. Uh, one of them was a 26-year-old woman. For some reason, and this fellow's name was Dante uh, Wright. Dante tried to get back in the car uh, behind the driver's wheel, and as he was getting in, uh, a female police officer, 26 years on the force, intended to taser him. This is a traffic charge. And instead, she erroneously, she claims, pulled out her gun and shot him and killed him on the spot. Now, she's on the force 26 years. There is a difference between a taser and a handgun, just the way it alone will tell you. But she shot him. She killed him. So we, here we are, 10 miles away from the Floyd situation, and this is what's going on in Brooklyn Center. Big things are happening already there. Uh, two police chiefs have been fired or resigned or fired. Uh, the mayor has been given total control of the police department. The 26-year-old, the 26-year police veteran has resigned. She resigned last night. Now, she claims that it was an accident, and you say, well, she's got courage. You know, she did wrong. If she did, and she resigned. You must understand that under the civil service rules affecting police officers, once you've got your time in, and time here would probably be 20 years, I'm assuming, in Minnesota, and then you can retire with your pension, your full pension, and you add on to it if you stay years after. She did 26 years. Uh, if she resigns before they kick her off the force, then she keeps her pension. But if she waits until she's thrown off the force and it's proven she did wrong, she loses her pension. So it could have been a smart move on her part. Whatever it is, it was another horrible situation. This is a young kid. He's short. He's thin. He's thin, thin, tall, thin, good-looking kid. Baby, too. He had a small baby. Now we go to the Army situation. This happened, though, back in December. Involved the Black Army 2nd Lieutenant. We are in Windsor, Virginia. And... By the way, I hope you people are getting this show because I had some trouble here hooking up and I had to re-enter. And when I did, I got a different connection. They said they were going to hook me up. I hope I'm hooked up because if I'm not, this terrific show is going to waste tonight. And I won't know till afterwards if I was hooked up or not. Anyhow, uh, black police officer. He's in an SUV, a new SUV he had recently purchased. He is in uniform. You know, his credentials, his bars are showing that he's a second lieutenant. Uh, police car tries to pull him over. He's smart. He must have been brought up by his black father to be black smart, or he learned in his older age, because he's young, he's got to be in his early 20s, to be black smart. 
He wouldn't pull over on the dark road where there were no lights. Instead, he proceeded down the road, turned his emergency lights on also, and when he came to a gas station that was well lit, he pulled into it. The two police officers jumped out of their car, got their guns out, and are yelling at the guy. (laughs) I mean, and he's saying, "What did I do?" He's got his window open. What did I do? well, finally they told me he didn't have his tag on his car, his license plate. He said, well, I, I just bought the car. They gave me cardboard license plates. If you look, there's one taped to the back window, and there's one taped to the front of the car. They disregarded what he said. That's what, you, what, what we stopped you for. Uh, they told him to remove his seatbelt. He said he had his hands up. He says, I am not putting my hands down. If I do, you may shoot me, saying I went for my gun. They said, open the door. He says, I will not. When I put my hand down, you may shoot me, saying, uh, I went for a gun. He didn't have a gun on him, by the way. He did not have a gun on him. Uh, they didn't like him. I'm sure he didn't like them. But they're yelling and screaming and getting no place. And now they pepper spray him, and you could see his eyes. They're rolling the, the their slit closed and the stuff coming down on his face. And he was smart enough not to touch his eyes, probably from his military training. And he's finally out of the car. Uh, and they're just yelling and screaming and abusing him. They were using what might be described as excessive force. Finally, they realized that what they did was wrong. What they did was wrong. And, what, and so they told him, look, we're going to do you a favor. <laughs> Big deal. We're going to let you go. Don't report this. We're not giving you a ticket. Don't report this. If you report this situation, then we're going to charge you, and that will ruin your military record. He said, well, I'm going to report this to my commander. I want you to know this. Well, they said, your responsibility, your headache if you do. He did. And he got a lawyer, and this happened in December. They sued the case this past week in federal court. Uh, I think he's got a good lawsuit. Uh, one of the police officers was fired immediately. Uh, short, fat guy, balding, holding that gun out there sideways, maybe two or three feet from his head, and yelling and screaming at him. Uh, on their police report, apparently they did a bad police report. They lied. They said this was, quote, a high-risk traffic stop, unquote. High-risk traffic spot stop. Uh, their chief didn't know. No one knew that these guys pulled the stop and they dummied up their report until this past week in the lawsuit. One of the cops is fired. The governor of Virginia has ordered the state police to investigate this matter on their own, and everybody's going to get to the bottom of it, and heads are going to fly here. Now, let me talk to you about gun safety in the state of Ohio, Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. Good Republican state. Uh, The governor, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, signed a bill this past week into law. And listen to what I'm going to say. Permitting residents of Iowa to buy and carry Guns without permits. You can buy a gun without a permit. <laughs> you you can carry a gun. You can carry it on your hip, you know, like the Lone Ranger, Apollon Cassidy, without a permit. Uh, it's 
Specifically, what the governor did was eliminate the requirements for law-abiding Iowans to obtain a permit to purchase a handgun, and this applies to purchasing handguns from private, non-licensed sources. So your neighbor next door has a gun, he hasn't got it registered, you buy it from him. That's against the law in most states, to buy a gun from someone who isn't licensed to sell a gun. In Iowa, they permit that also. He can buy a gun from somebody who doesn't have a license to sell guns. Uh, How can this happen? All the shooting going on in this country? Don't forget, we're just hearing about police shootings lately because they seem to be in vogue. What about... Uh, you know, we used to go in and shoot up churches, we, we, we shot up schools, uh, musical events, social events. Uh, they'll come back, you know, everything's a pendulum, everything goes back and forth. But right now we're into the police era. And I'm going to tell you something about the police era. You have to excuse me, but here are my thoughts. This is not going to end for a very long time. A very, very long time. We're going to have this police problem with us for 20 or 30 years. Uh, you know, they, 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 they think they're the, the Texas Rangers or something, uh, before it's really put to bed and it does not exist in our society anymore. It's slowly going to die. We're, we're going to, we're into it every year. I can't say we don't get into it. Congress tries to do something, state legislatures, but they all seem to do it the wrong way or don't do anything at all. That has to change at some point, and it will, but not yet. Let me get into Ernest Hemingway. Uh, During this month in 1928, Ernest Hemingway and his first wife, Pauline, arrived in Key West for the first time. They'd never been here before. They came in on the... Peninsular, I'm sorry, Peninsular and Occidental Steamship from Havana. They were only going to stay here one or two days. He had ordered, Hemingway had ordered a new Ford from the Ford dealership in Key West before he left Havana. The car was supposed to be ready or be here the next day. It didn't show up for two, three weeks or something. So he and Pauline were stuck in Key West. While they were here, Hemingway fell in love with Key West. Why not? He had great fishing. He was a fisherman, big-time fishing, ocean fishing. He had Sloppy Joes. First he had Captain Tony's, then he had Sloppy Joes. Uh, Joe Russell, who owned Sloppy Joes, became one of his best friends. Uh, Everyone loved him. He had a beautiful home. Uh, He had one of the few swimming pools here. We're going back into the 30s now. Spent 10 years, and he put a swimming pool and cost him 20 grand. Uh, cost you twenty grand today. <laughs> That's a lot of money back there for a swimming pool. Anyhow, uh, he had a good life, and then he decided to leave. Now, he one of the books he wrote. It may have been his first book. Uh, he may have done some revisions on it here. I'm not sure. In Key West, was a farewell to arms. Uh, about two weeks ago, I recall seeing the movie again for the 88th time on TV. A 1932 film starring Gary Cooper, A Farewell to Arms. Hemingway made a comment um, about something that occurred while he was writing the book that I think is very interesting. He said, and I quote, I wrote the ending to Farewell to Arms, the last page of it, 39 times before I was satisfied. He wrote the last page of the book 
39 times before he was satisfied. No wonder he is one of the greatest authors of all time, old time, middle time, modern time, uh, one of the most respected authors. If he refined his work to that extent, 39 times the last page. Now we go to St. Vincent, that island in the Caribbean where there's a volcano popping up. In the last couple of weeks, the volcano on the island, which hadn't bothered anyone for many years, started emitting smoke and gas. First, uh, it blew, no lava, 25 feet in the air, 25,000 feet in the air. Second time it popped, it went up 50,000 feet in the air with some lava. Now they're saying it's going to blow, blow, get your ass off the island. Everybody's been told to evacuate. It's going to go, and if you're here, you're going to get killed. That simple. There'll be no place to hide. Well, <laughs> uh, the cruise lines, the governor, the prime minister, rather, arranged for the cruise lines to come in and take the people off the island. And not everyone down there has boats or anything else. And the cruise lines are agreed to come in and evacuate. One condition, and that is if you're not vaccinated yet, coronavirus, you can't get on a ship. They will not take you on a ship without you having had your vaccine shots. Makes sense. Think about it. Because there are a lot of people there also. Uh, and it isn't just people in the United States that think, well, you know, I, I don't believe in, in coronavirus. There really isn't a disease. It's like the flu. We shouldn't worry. And I don't think it's going to be that bad. We're going to die from it. And I just worry that the chemicals might affect me or my family. You know, we've never had some of these chemicals in our bodies before. And they don't understand. Those shots, are. I believe they're important. I was so thrilled two weeks ago to get my final shot, uh, my second shot. I, I, what else have we got? <laughs> it's that or get sick. Uh, so anyhow, they were told, you can't, you can't get on a cruise ship. You're stuck. We are leaving you to fend for yourselves. The, governor, the prime minister said you are to fend for yourselves. Nora O'Donnell. On CBS Evening News a few nights ago, Nora O'Donnell on CBS Evening News said, and I am quoting her precisely, she uses a bad word. We all use it occasionally, I think, for most of us. But she said, and I quote, we went from vaccine passports being a conspiracy theory to fuck you and die so fast. Did you hear me? We went from vaccine passports being a conspiracy theory to fuck you and die so fast. Which now brings me to, let's see, where am I here? I'm worried this show isn't on. I'm going to be very upset if it isn't. I can't tell whether it's on or off, by the way, once I get started. Uh, Mar-a-Lago, I think it was Sunday night, Donald Trump, Invited, uh, he had a big dinner, uh, his major donors, special people. And instead of talking about how he's going to save the country by doing this, this, and that, and being critical of Trump's policies, a political speech, here are the things he had to say. I'm going to give you some of, I think, three or four items that he had to say. And this was consistent with the nature of his entire, it was a 55-minute presentation. Uh, 
He called McConnell a, and I quote, dumb son of a bitch. Uh, He said he was, quote, disappointed in Mike Pence, and they wanted to hang him on January 6th. Uh, He said last year's presidential election was a fraud, once again, and he mocked, he mocked, actually he mocked this guy, uh, Tony Fauci. He's like the Pope. <laughs> we hang on to every word he says. He mocked Tony Fauci because Fauci disagreed with him many times. So Donald hasn't changed. The only difference is his audience isn't as large. You know, as president, he used to put himself on every day for a while. Then he'd go on whenever he wanted, and he'd make these crazy speeches. Uh he was on Twitter every day. How many times a day? Oh, my God. Well, tw- Twitter canned him after he lost the election, so he can't Twitter anymore. It's hard for him to get out there and be heard, so this was an opportunity for him to be heard. I want to talk about Winston Churchill, the great hero, English hero of World War II. It was on June 4, 1940, okay, that... Winston Churchill, then Prime Minister of Great Britain, addressed Parliament in London. The speech he gave is considered the greatest speech ever given in modern history. The greatest speech ever given in modern history. You have to appreciate at the time of the speech, uh, the English people were trapped at Dunkirk. 300,000 men might have been lost. They were removed afterwards. They were facing annihilation, the country. The the Germans were bombing the hell out of London. His own party lost confidence in his leadership, Churchill's leadership, and were, were urging him to sue for peace with Hitler, for peace. Churchill refused to sue for peace. Churchill said, we fight on. Uh... The only people supporting him were not the politicians in either party. The only people supporting him were the people on the street. The English people did not want to surrender. And this speech was really to them, you know. And he said, and these are famous words from that speech. He said, we are going to fight them, and I quote, on the landing grounds and in the streets and on the beaches and in the fields and in the hills. England will never surrender. I repeat, on the landing grounds, in the streets, on the beaches, in the fields, in the hills, England will never surrender. Interesting thing is about 20 years later, another great order, leader of a a major uh, nation in the world, John Kennedy. John Kennedy. John Kennedy wrote regarding Churchill's speech that day on June 4th, 1940, and I quote, he marshaled the English language and sent it off into battle. Think about the words he spoke. This I just went over, and then think about Kennedy's words. He marshaled the English language and sent it off into battle. Brilliant, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Okay, where am I now? We are now at, uh, did you ever hear the word superfetation? Super, F-E-T-A-T-I-O-N, superfetation. I never heard of it till two days ago. Interesting short story I'm going to share with you. 
Um, a woman got pregnant while she was already pregnant and gave birth to twins who were really not twins because they weren't conceived at the same time. That's, what's that word, how do I put Super fetidation. Her name was Jean, Gina Romaine. This happened on April 9th, 1921. Uh, and the background of the story is this. Number one, her obstetrician, who's been in business 25 years delivering babies, said, and I quote, it just doesn't happen. Medical scientists all over the country said, world, it said, it just doesn't happen. She is, she was an English woman who conceived a second baby three weeks after conception of the first baby. Uh, why doesn't this happen? Apparently when a woman gets pregnant, immediately her hormone, hormones change. We know what a tough time in the first two or three months of pregnancy women have. They're up checking all the time. They got all kinds of physical problems, uh, mental problems. Their hormones are going crazy because they're pregnant. Uh, and what happened here was she she had sex. They probably didn't even know she was pregnant when she had sex with her husband that conceived the second child. Uh, the second fetus was created about three weeks after the first. Okay. Uh, so you got two separate sex acts creating two separate babies, which... In medical science, are referred to as twins, but they're not twins. They are the product of superfetidation. Now, the doctors did not think the second child would survive uh, because they develop swiftly at the beginning. Even though they're tiny, tiny little spots in a woman's womb, they, they develop. And th this young one would not have proper development time. Her brother would probably start the, the birthing situation, and she'd have to go along with him, and she would lose time. Uh, so here, what happened here is she dropped another egg. She's pregnant three weeks. She dropped another egg. That egg hooked up with the semen attached to her uterus wall, and she's pregnant again. It's a double pregnancy. Uh, I keep repeating it because it's so unique, so unusual. So you appreciate how unusual less than 10 cases ever recorded in the world. Less than 10 cases ever recorded in the world. Well, they were having trouble with the pregnancy, uh, so a cesarean had to be done several weeks early. The, the trouble was with the second pregnancy, uh, the umbilical cord. Uh, something was wrong with the umbilical cord, and they had to go in and take both babies out. And again, they thought definitely now the second will not survive. All right. Well, what happened is this. <laughs> they both had to go into needle uh, neonatal care. The boy, he's the oldest, his name's Noah, had to spend three weeks in neonatal intensive care. His sister, the second pregnancy, named Rosalie, spent 95 days. Show showed the development situation. Uh, they're both okay now. They're home. There was a picture of the two, a video of the two on the Internet. You never saw two more beautiful children. They look absolutely alike, these babies. But the interesting thing is, Noah, the boy who was, in, who was the first, is huge compared to his sister, Rosalie. She is two-thirds the size. She's one-third smaller than her brother. The unusual thing, that is not unusual, but that is different, 
uh, or what was expected. The unusual thing is, in the picture, the two of them are holding hands. And the mother said, every time they lay them close to each other, their hands come together. Absolutely amazing. Because they're twins, I'm not surprised. I I have twin grandsons, and they did some unusual things in their early years, so it makes sense. Uh, Let's see, where are we going now? Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani. He's going to be in trouble. Can't miss. Make a long story short, the lieutenant governor of Georgia said this past week that his country, his state has gone crazy with these laws affecting voting rights because Giuliani used to come down there and sit, sit with the legislators and he gave them all this bullshit, all these lies, and they bought it. <laughs> and they still buy it. And that's why they voted that way, because of the lies that Giuliani told them and he told everyone else in the country. By the way, I'm on the air. I just heard that voice. I only got 60 seconds left. Uh, Thank you for joining me tonight. Uh, I enjoy doing the show. I love doing the show. I love you people who listen in. My numbers go up every week. It's hard to believe. That excites me, too. So, again, I say thank you and good night.